0: Before I read the scripture chosen for this morning, uh, please bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word together. We pray that we would do this expectantly, ready to receive what you have for us, and ready to be challenged in our own individual lives and in our corporate life as the body of Christ in this corner of Connecticut. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's reading comes from Matthew 5, um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So starting in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come... Check. Good. Will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that whoever, everyone who is angry with his brother, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother, will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Continuing in verse 27, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And again in verse 33, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And then in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ.
1: Nerf dart left over from youth stuff in that Bible, which is fine. We're four Nerf darts. The series that we're, um, well, I'm enjoying, hopefully some of you are also, is on the Lord's Prayer and using the Lord's Prayer to understand Jesus' teachings, especially in Matthew. And while I imagine that you were not uh, super encouraged by Jesus' very amplified teaching about the morality of a follower of Christ, perhaps you were. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, he has given us a guide to how and where and why we are going to be tempted to dishonor him, to harm our neighbor, and to harm ourselves through sin. And the opportunity to request help and then choose what the Bible calls righteousness or life instead. We seek help. When we say to God, lead us not into temptation, we are asking for his help. We're expecting it. We're expecting him to show up in ways our mind and our body, our very being and our emotions can understand and be guided by away from harm and into life. Away from dishonoring him and into honoring him. But the question is behind temptation. And it exists in different places in you and in me. And it moves around throughout our life and circumstances change it. But the question is this. Is God for us? Not as God for me. Lead me not into temptation is a good prayer. But a better prayer is us because we need one another in community. Is God for us? That's the beginning of temptation. When Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't because they were curious or bored. They stopped trusting the good heart of God. And it is the same for us. Do we believe God actually knows what's best for us? Do we believe He's trustworthy? Thank you, Dan, Hannah, Seth, Dale, for leading us in singing. I love never failing. I love singing it. And my mind is like, how often can I say that easily? And sometimes it's a little more like, yeah, I know, never failing. Do I believe God knows what's best for me? Do I believe He's trustworthy? Do I know His track record? And do I find it trustworthy and good? And I know that when we give into to temptation, it's not because we thought about it and made this horrific decision. We got the email and we were like, ooh, I know what I'm going to do. Instead of taking a minute or writing a draft or getting up from the desk, I'm going to harm this person. I'm going to say the meanest thing I can think of. Because that would be more fun than resisting temptation and choosing righteousness. No, it's a reaction. It flows out of our story. We don't mean to sin. We're like, I'm going to hit sin before I even can give this a second thought. That'll be really fun. And it's not, because sin is actually not fun, though it often can feel fun in the moment. We sometimes sin because we don't know better. We sometimes fail to resist temptation because... Uh, we're reactionary from our stories and the way that we're wired and the way we're in the world. And yet, friends, as we pray again and again and again, Lord, lead us not into temptation. We're seeking His help and receiving it. And our minds are more clear in following Him. Our emotions are more aligned with our mind and we resist Because we trust Him. Embedded in this question is a a challenge to us who uh, sometimes struggle with the very amplified language of Jesus, especially in the book of Matthew. And we need to be able to handle His uh, rhetorical waving of His arms, His pushy language in getting our attention. If we follow Jesus as though He's teaching literally in the book of Matthew... We wouldn't have any limbs left. Your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If we actually didn't perform religious activities because we were worried someone was upset with us every single time, we wouldn't get anything done around church. Worship would be poorly attended, etc. The heart of that is an ordering of what's good and how to live and how destructive and dangerous is sin. Why am I saying all that? Does God lead you into temptation? No. He would never do that. Does He allow you to live in a world with temptation? Yes. The writer of Hebrews, James, help us understand this in a more how does sin work, how does God work. What Jesus is doing is He's amplifying the language to remind us to daily seek His help. Which means we know our need We know our need for a good Father. We know our need to locate Him in heaven. We know our need to receive daily provision from Him. We know our need for forgiveness and desperately need His help to forgive those who in any way offend us. And we need Him to guide us away from temptation. Do you know your need to be guided, corrected, comforted, I mean, if you read the Lord's Prayer and it's not just wrote, memorized in your head, it's so comforting. Word by word. Our Father. And I think in the 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the dead, it is actually impossible to overstate how the power of the Holy Spirit, utilized through prayer in community, has saved so many from harm and has rescued so many into love. Men and women, for 2,000 years, saying to the Holy Spirit, help us to resist temptation. Saying it in community and saying it alone. I believe billions of moments of heaven in-breaking. Ever since Jesus rose from the dead and his followers began practicing this individually and together. Billions and billions of moments of heaven in-breaking through love and forgiveness, through a resistance to lust and retaliation and disproportionate anger. The people of God following God I hated that sentence, but there's nothing to do about it now. And in praying this, and in learning to pray it, and in learning the rest of Matthew and how it helps us deeply be gripped by the grace and the teachings and the power of Jesus, we sometimes get caught in religious language. We don't realize the beauty and the transcendence of this language. And one of my favorite books on prayer, it's actually on the Psalms, but it overlaps with Christian Prayer, Eugene Peterson says this Abstraction is an enemy to prayer. Beautiful ideas are an enemy to prayer. Fine thoughts are an enemy to prayer. Authentic prayer begins when we stub our toes on a rock, get drenched in a rainstorm, get slapped in the face by an enemy. When we pray, God, protect us from temptation, this is not a small, sweet thing. This is power to resist evil that comes at us from so many directions. I was talking with a friend in between services and he was slapped 20 times this week by an enemy. And I just hugged him. And I'm so grateful that he's a Christian and I'm so sad for the situation that he's in, but so thankful that Jesus not only indwells him and comforts him, is not only sovereign, and he can rest in that, but guides him in what to do when slapped. Not retaliate. And pray to resist the temptation to retaliate. And that doesn't mean wisdom doesn't speak into the situation. All of that. But Christians resist lust and retaliation and not letting our yes be yes and our no be no. We seek help and we avoid temptation and you know this but it's challenging and it changes but you have been given great power I was literally about to make the illustration at the master school, preaching at their chapel, that you could get up in the middle of the talk and storm out of the room. And I I kid you not, one line before I was going to make the illustration, a kid gets up to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, wait, wait, this would be the... And I don't know how to handle jokes in the moment. I'm not as funny as many of you wish that I was. Funnier than some of you. Never mind. (laughs) See? See? Wow, that's a joke within a joke. You're a professional. Back to your notes. Literally, right before I was going to make the illustration, he gets up and leaves. And that's an imperfect and relatively weak illustration, but you know that you have power. And it might be significantly more or less than you wish. That's kind of another conversation. The reality is that you have power. And what excites me so much about this sermon is I think... one of the worst temptations available to us is despair. That our words don't matter. How we spend our time doesn't matter. What we do and don't do with our money doesn't matter. And I'm so excited to stand up here and say to you, Jesus was quite clear that your words matter. They can be an inbreaking of heaven. Jesus was quite clear that how you use your hands, either for love or for harm, how you use the resources given to you, can be in breakings of heaven in a world that neither understands nor appreciates it. And we desperately need guidance with what to do with the power that we're given. Your life is a constant, ever-changing dynamic. Your work situation changes. This room is never the same. We've never had the exact same group of people one week to the next, and yet here's our spiritual community given to support one another and pray for one another and sing with one another and become better and better friends with one another that we might support one another in our griefs and struggles and perhaps even texting and calling one another before or after. We either did or didn't resist temptation. Your family is constantly changing. And you may be more or less of an agent than you want to be. We're going to a family gathering in a couple of weeks and I used to think I was all their pastor. That didn't go well. Because I'm not. I am a pastor. who happens to be related to them. I think the temptation that you and I struggle with is does it matter and Jesus was unequivocal consistent amplified language what would it be worse than if you lead a little one astray having a millstone tied around your neck if the question is do our actions in the world matter Jesus is unequivocally saying both Yes, and they will never be good without me inside you, guiding you, indwelling you, guiding you. And we can't avoid temptation if we don't know it. Do you know what God, how God describes life and death? Just have... Corey, could you read that if I asked you to? Where Where you go? No, no Hebrew? I know somebody in here that could read it. Tony, could you, if you had to? That's a summary of the Ten Commandments. So no other gods, no idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, which means carry the Lord's name with honor, which means don't live one way and believe another. Rest. Learn to rest, celebrate, feast, pray, play one day a week. Honor your father and mother. I know that one's not challenging for any of you, but for some, some of us sometimes, can be. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't lust, don't steal. Those are his commands of life. Those are the commands we're asking him to help us avoid breaking. I realize that was like a triple negative. They're all umbrella guides to life too. They're not just if I don't say Jesus' name when I stub my toe, I've accomplished this. They're all about an entire way of life that honors God's direction for us. I think you know that your what you do with your money matters. I think you know that what you do with your hands matters. I think you know that what you do with your words matter. Those are the ten films nominated for Best Picture from the year 2022 and the Oscars of 2023. They are Avatar, The Way of Water, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking... All Quiet on the Western Front, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Elvis, Top Gun Maverick, Tar, and Banshees of Inishirin, and I had no notes for that. That's how into movies I am. I've only seen eight of them. I've, I've not seen all ten. Every single one of them, if the question is, do relationships matter, says yes. Every single one of them would validate, indirectly, the way Hollywood does, the Ten Commandments. And violating them dishonors God, harms neighbor, and harms self. Every one of them, if the question is, do relationships matter, says, yes. And that's why Jesus' guide not only to how to live, but how to pray in light of that living so that we might be integrated, whole people who live and believe and speak and act like Christians is so gracious and helpful to us. I was 10 for 23 on my Oscars prediction, by the way. I know you guys wondered. I think you were better, Corey. I think you were 11. We seek help and avoid temptation through prayer and community. A few weeks ago, an officer pulled up alongside me. He didn't have his lights on, but he said, you need to stop looking at your phone while you drive. And I was embarrassed. And I'm embarrassed to tell you. And I've been doing a better job for a few weeks. And I'll never, ever, ever look at it again. I'm working on it. I'm confessing it to you. Who in this room, if they saw you in that situation, you'd be like, oh, that's fine. I'll just tell them about it later. Who in this room would you be like, oh, coffee hour is going to be so annoying. Who in this room would it be make you like so uncomfortable? The point of this very imperfect illustration is God has given us this community. To encourage and help us, not just by singing, not just by reminding one another of the feast of Jesus, but in odd ways we would not expect, helping us resist temptation, calling one another to live as Christians in the world. Not because that merits us anything, that's all Jesus, but because of Jesus, we have to live like his followers. We'll occasionally be embarrassed when we're found out. And that's Christian community actually comforting and serving one another. These are called ordinary means of grace. Prayer, song, conversations with one another, admitting faults like I just did with you. I feel really uncomfortable. And then trusting the Lord to grow us up because it is not lead me not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. We seek help and avoid temptation because he has called us. He has called us to himself. And the beginning of true resistance to temptation is not the prayer. And it's not even knowing God's word, though that's very important. It's not knowing his commands, both things to avoid and things to do with words and hands and money, and time. The beginning of avoiding temptation is knowing that he has called us to himself and being so thankful for that. And our affection and our allegiance and our will are given to him and being given and we continue giving them to him on a daily basis. Because we trust Him. That's how and why we avoid temptation. And it is also for the good of our neighbor. Every sin described in the Scripture is both a violation of God's character and holiness and also it harms our neighbor. Even the one that you don't think they can't see still negatively affects them. So we resist temptation first and foremost out of allegiance and affection for God, but also for the good of our neighbor. and for our own good. And it is in that order. It is not about us. And in remembering that it's not about us, we are engrafted in and cared for and comforted and matured in love for God and neighbor. One of the keys to understanding Matthew is not to dislike the scribes and the Pharisees, but to hear Jesus say, we are to be the new scribes and Pharisees. Those who believe and act in full accordance with God's pursuing love that drew us to himself and then guided us in obedient life. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And of course, that's not discouraging, but encouraging, because we enter the kingdom of heaven entirely through the work of Jesus. Not through our work at all. So that's an encouraging, amplified motivation for us to act like his people and to pray like his people. I have this illustration of a garden but I think, I think we're all on the same page. I think sermon is preached, word understood, and I think I'm going to pray instead. Father, we trust you. Help us to trust you. Jesus, lead us away from the evil we understand known as temptation. Fill our minds and emotions with a knowledge of righteousness and with strength to pursue it and to avoid lives of death. Jesus, we are so thankful for your life, death, resurrection, for your teachings, for your clear answer to does it matter, and for your guidance in the use of the power that you've given us. Holy Spirit, would you comfort and assure us of your love and thereby make it simpler, quicker, more easy to follow you, to obey you, to resist disproportionate anger, retaliation, lust. Father, Son, and Spirit, we trust you. Enable us to trust you more fully, freely. Amen.